0: You have your copy of God's Word if you'll find your place in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Word of God. And we'll be looking particularly at verse number 30 136. Uh, we'll also read together in just a moment uh, verses 129 through 136. Psalm 119, a psalm of the great holy man David of prayer and his own interaction with the Word of God, and his desire to know greater the Word of God, to obey the Word of God and carry it out. These days we're talking about revive us again. And we're talking these days about the importance of praying that the Holy Spirit of God would choose to move in our midst in a corporate way and do a reviving work in all of us together, as we also pray for God to do His reviving work in our lives day by day. So we're looking today at Psalm 119, 136, and I hope you're praying for revival these days, praying for awakening, not only revival in our church, but revival in the global church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then also for God to do awakening and for many, many people to be saved during these days of confusion, dread, terror, and dissatisfaction, frustration, anger, whatever you want to call it. These new days that we have that uh, the Lord has permitted to come in our lives so that we might learn His will and do the things He would have us do. If you'll stand now and honor the reading of God's Word, we'll read Psalm 119 beginning in verse number 129. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul observes them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I longed for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me after your manner with those who love your name. Establish my footsteps in your word, and do not let any iniquity have dominion, over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. And then our focus for today will be verse 136. My eyes shed streams of water, because they do not keep your law. Heavenly Father, we stand before you today and we ask that you might look into our hearts to see what kind of motivation brings us here today. We pray that you might forgive us of our sins as we present ourselves to you as living and holy sacrifices, ready to do your work in these days of change, uncertainty, fear, terror, dread, anger, and emotion how we pray that the Holy Spirit of God would do a work in each of our lives individually, and then that you might do a work among us collectively. We ask as I've asked you, and I continue to ask you, bring revival to this church, that this church might accomplish its purposes in this place in which you have set it. Do not remove the lampstand. May the light of of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ shine brightly from this place, because we are your people and we seek to serve you. We pray on this weekend for America. We pray that you might stir the hearts of people, that they might see their need for God, and that they might repent of their sins and come to the Lord Jesus and be saved. We pray that you might teach us today the truths that we'll look at today that might change our lives. Challenge us from your Word today. Holy Spirit of God, reveal these things. Give light to us so that we might see from the unfolding of Your Word the truth that You have for us for the days that You have given given us until Jesus comes again. Holy Spirit, be our teacher now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Our focal truth today, found as I've read in verse number 136, is this. God's people, if we're going to consider revival and revival praying, and that's what we're talking about these days, praying for revival, God's people must pray in holy grief. God's people must pray in holy grief for the sinfulness of men. God's people must pray in holy grief for the sinfulness of men. As we read here, My eyes shed streams of water, my eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep your law. In this section, David says many things about himself and his desire to know the Word of God. Quickly run your eyes through here with me for a moment. Verse 129. Your testimonies are wonderful. The Word of God is wonderful, he says. Therefore, my soul observes them. See, not just not just a desire, but all of his soul, all of his mind, will, and emotions, he places toward obeying the Word of God. Is that true for you today? Are you committed to obeying the Word of God from your soul, not just out of some duty? He goes on to say, verse 131, strange words, I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I longed For your commandments, do you long for the Word of God just like you desire a good cold drink of water on a hot day? Do you have an increasing desire for the Word of God? I open my mouth wide and panted. First, my soul observes your Word, verse 129. Then, my mouth is opened wide to long for your Word, verse 132. Turn to me and be gracious to me. This is the constant prayer of God's people. Turn to me and be gracious to me. That's what all of us in this room need. For God to come in wonderful presence, His relational presence, and restore your relationship with Him and be gracious to you. He says, turn to me and be gracious after your manner with those who love your name. He goes on and says in verse 133, "...establish my footsteps in your word. Do not let any iniquity have dominion over me." He's asking God to free him from sin's dominion that keeps him falling back into sin. so he asks that God would establish his lifestyle in living in such a holy way that he might be saved from the dominion and power of sin. He says in 131, redeem me from the oppression of man. Oh, we feel the hostility and the pressure of the world. When you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and you live for Him, you will feel and know that the Holy Spirit calls you to separate yourself from the things you used to do. But oh, the demands of the world, the demand is submit. The demand of the world is conform. But here, the man of God says, Redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts. And then he goes on, make your face shine upon your servant. And what does he ask? He asks what all of us must continue to ask God. If you have an unteachable spirit here today, I'm sad for you. If you're unwilling to hear the Word of God and what God has for you, if you're unwilling to open the Word of God daily in your life, and have a teachable spirit, I'm sad for you. The hypocrite has an unteachable spirit. The lost have an unteachable spirit. He says, teach me your statutes. And then he comes to describe his emotions as he looks at people who do not obey the Word of God. He is not seeking to judge them. He is not seeking to... Uh, make Himself better than them. He simply says, my eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep your law. God's people must pray in holy grief for the sinfulness of men. May I ask you some questions as we begin? I would say that this is a very informed congregation. You're up on the current events. You watch plenty of news. Congratulations. You watch the news. So when you see, when you have your television on or your device, and you're scanning through the internet or however you get your news or whatever, it comes up on your phone all the time. When you hear or see the events in the world today, I'm not going to list them all. You already know what they are. You know the condition, the situation we're in. It's affected the very way we do church here. When you see the events in the world today, what kind of emotions are coming out of you? Are you angry? Are you mad? Are you wanting to get things straightened out? Or are you trying to take control? How, how do you feel? What kind of emotion comes out of you when you see what's happening in the world today? Are you angry at the sinful behavior of people all around us? Is the first thing that comes out of your uh, in your into your mind is a uh, disgruntled frustration and anger toward people who do things that you do not agree with and treat people in ways they ought not to do it? What kind of emotions? Do you just have sure? There's a lot of angry people today. Sadly, a lot of angry people in the church. My ministry life, I've seen a lot of people be angry in church, but I've, I've not seen the kind of anger and the tone and the shrill of anger that I see today. And it includes God's people, What I, I'm sorry, what they put on the internet. You don't have to be shouting to be angry. You can just write a post. I asked you before, are you praying or posting? Less posting, more praying. So what kind of emotions do you have today? This is an emotional time. It's a very emotional time. And those of you watching me who can't be with us, God bless you. How do you feel today? as we come across these 4th of July days. Do you even pray for the sinful people of the world? Do you even pray for them? I've asked you if you pray. I've asked you if you're praying for revival. I'm talking to this church now. That's our business today. This church. Every one of you who are a part of this church. I've asked you to pray for revival along with me, and awakening in the world. Do you ever pray for sinful people who do not pray for themselves? They don't even care if you pray for them. Are you like uh, two of the Lord's disciples? You're worked up these days. Man, you're worked up. You could straighten out the government leaders. You could straighten out all these people carrying out all these crazy things. You could straighten them all out. You You are absolutely in a mess with your hot anger. Maybe some of you are just like James and John. Early in the Lord's ministry, He goes to a city, a village. He, he is there and they reject Him. What they say? God, call the fire down. Just burn these people up. They don't deserve anything. They've rejected you. Burn them up. You've been praying like that? Burn them up. They don't deserve to be saved. They don't deserve to change. Just burn them up. And we pray it because we have such self-righteousness. No, we find here something of a challenge, my dear friends. My eyes shed streams of water. By the way, when was the last time you prayed? and wept. When was the last time you even cried? Well, I am i was taught that if you cry, you're weak. Well, somebody didn't give you a very good lesson. When was the last time you cried? What kind of condition is your heart in today? You come in this place naming the name of Jesus, but you've got a hard, calloused heart. You know, living in the world would give you that. If you don't allow the Holy Spirit of God to give you a tenderized heart, everybody in this room, including the man speaking to you, all of our hearts are in one kind of condition. And I say this to you, if you don't have a tender heart, you'll never shed a tear for anyone who does not know God. God's people must pray in holy grief for the sinfulness of people. My eyes shed streams of waters, because they do not keep your law. So few cry, so few mourn for their sin. Sadly, even fewer cry for others. So today we learn from this some very important principles as we're thinking about revival praying today we're reminded from this verse that while the world is sinning, the church should be weeping. But are we? Or have we stood alongside the other self-righteous ones on the sideline, complaining, bellyaching, criticizing, and angry? You see, even if you declare you have righteous anger, righteous anger leads to holy grief today while the world is sinning the church must be agonizing and praying pastor Mike what are these? these are such strange times Solomon said there is a time for laughing and there is a time for weeping and I say to you church whether you listen to me or not this is a time for for weeping. Will you shed a tear for the condition of the church in the world, including this one, and the world in its desperate lostness? Tearless Christians. Well, we have... Several observations that come from this. You see, he's crying because, one thirty-six they do not keep the law of God. So here are my three observations from this text. Number one, God's people should, and I've already been going to this, God's people should feel. I want you to feel with me today. That's why I'm preaching this as I am. I'm trying to exhort you. I want you to feel what I'm trying to say to you. God's people should feel holy grief as they see with their eyes the sinfulness of other men. Secondly, he says, my eyes shed streams of water because, a second reason, they do not keep your law. You see, God's people experience holy grief. You know why? Because we know something. This is a very educated, knowledgeable church. And I learned a long time ago, you better not best not stand up here in front of this church and preach, not knowing what you're saying from the word of God. You you get called out. But since you are knowing ones, you understand this is why grief should roll and come in our soul. Holy grief comes because we understand the destructiveness that comes with sinfulness. And finally, God's people pray in holy grief because we love sinful people. That might sound a little strange these days. Loving sinful people. Aren't you glad somebody loved you when you were in your sin? Maybe maybe you didn't know it. But somebody did. What is it that the Lord wants from His church these days? He wants us to be praying people who repent of our sins and go to Him as I tried to say to you last week, as I worked at it as hard as I could, like Elijah, an effective prayer of a righteous man or woman accomplishes much. Right now, this country needs us to be on our knees, not standing and fussing and fighting, on our knees, praying effectively, and praying in holy grief for the sinfulness that we find ourselves in. So let me begin and make just a few statements about these observations. We won't be long, but I want to have you think about it a little bit more with me. My eyes shed streams of water. Let's just take that phrase. My eyes shed streams of water. You see, there is a rarity to holy grief. What I'm talking about today, for some of you scratching your head and saying, what in the world? is? Did He not get enough sleep? Is He that old? He can't remember? What is He talking about? I'm talking about something that's rather rare among God's people. We collect lots of prayer requests, but is there any holy grief in our praying? Is there a sadness, a godly sorrow? You see, godly sorrow leads to repentance, but godly sorrow carries on in your life as a believer when you see the sinfulness that you have. You're saddened by your own sinfulness and then you see, oh my, look around me. I look around and I see all of these things and my emotions, I'm broken. There's rarity for the holy grief. Of the sinfulness of men. You need to go home and read in careful detail Ezekiel 9. Ezekiel 9, the prophet of God sees the vision, and God brings the angel, the recording angel, and he brings some terrible angels who have instruments of death in their hand, and God gives this word to the recording angel Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem and put a mark on the forehead of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations which are being committed in its midst. Put the mark, put the mark on the foreheads of those who sigh and groan. Not because they don't have what they need, but because of the abominations and sinfulness of God's people. Put a mark on their forehead. Mark the ones who groan and sigh for the sinfulness and wickedness that's in the midst. The rarity of holy grief. God had to send an angel to find the few who were sighing and groaning not because of their own problems, but because of the abominations around them. What do you sigh and groan about? You got to wait for Walmart to open at seven o'clock? Is that your biggest thing? You really tore up about it, aren't you? I heard some other day. I just, I am so mad. I am so, I got to go, I got to wait for Walmart. Whoa. Thank you. That's great. I'm sorry that you're so worked up about that. Who wants to go to Walmart anyway? Is that it? Sorry. The rarity of holy grief, the holiness of it. My eyes, this is a holy man. What's happening with his eyes? His eyes are filled. His eyes are filled with water. Not a crocodile tear. Streams. Of water pour from His eyes. Have you ever cried so much that your eyes were swollen? Perhaps you don't even know what it's like to cry because it's been so long since you cried. The cause of holy grief, the sins of others, they do not keep your law. This whole section... Please, I want to observe your law. Teach me your law. I I want to stay on the path. I want to observe it. I long for your law. But here's this one man versus the many who don't care about God's Word or obeying it. That's the condition of our world. That's the condition of Dixon County in Tennessee, the United States of America, and all around the world they do not care. They do not keep the law of God. The depths of holy grief. My eyes shed streams of water. Paul said in Romans 9.2. We we think a lot about Paul and what he did, but did you know that Paul lived his entire life in unceasing grief? Because of the lostness of Israel, he says, Romans 9.2, I have great sorrow, do you? I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. That's the the situation we should be in today as God's people. You see, because we know the sinfulness of man, by the way, man's sin is not only in the world, it shows up in church. Does it grieve you? Do your eyes shed streams of water because people who go to church, people who claim to be Christians, people who go to this church refuse to obey the Word of God and live in wickedness? Does it bother you? Does it burden you? Does it grieve you? If we know the sinfulness of sin... Anyone living in sinfulness grieves us. It grieves us when we're in sin, but we must look to others, our neighbor. You see, Hosea 4 says this, there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. That's it. There's no faithfulness, kindness, knowledge of God in the land. There's swearing, deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. Not a full list, by the way. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Jeremiah says, the Lord continued to appeal to the people. Oh, listen to these sweet words. I want you to hear them. Listen to this appeal from God. Thus says the Lord to Israel. These are from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 6. Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. And walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. I better read that again. Here's what God, here's the appeal. Here's the appeal of the gospel. Stand by the ways, world. Stand by the ways, carnal Christians. Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths. Ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your soul. But they said, We will not walk in the ancient path. Does that bother you today? That your children and grandchildren may stand up and say, We will not walk in the ancient way. Your friends and your neighbors, We will not walk in the ancient way. And millions upon millions say today with defiance to God, we are not walking in the way that you have laid out through the Lord Jesus. We refuse it. So you say, well, this, let them burn. Or do you say, oh God. You see, Isaiah 3.9 says that the sight of sinfulness brings sadness. He describes Israel's sin, they displayed their sin like Sodom. You need any illustrations of that when you turn on your devices? There's no, there's no self-consciousness about sin anymore. You might agree with my statement, but what does it do to your soul? Does it hurt you? Does it grieve you that dear people young and old alike, and in between in the middle, would display their sin like Sodom? Isaiah 3.9, They display their sin like Sodom. They do not even conceal it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. God's people should feel holy grief as they see the sinfulness of others. Jeremiah said it probably the most pointed way in a long chapter, Lamentations 3, when he's talking about the wonderful things about the faithfulness of God new every morning, but he also talks about the discipline of God and God sending things into the world to judge people. He says, Lamentations 3.51, listen, my eyes bring pain to my soul. my eyes bring pain to my soul. When you see it, how do you feel about it? God's people. My eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep your law. Second observation, God's people experience holy grief when they understand the destruction of sin of man's sinfulness you see today we learn from paul in romans chapter 1 these very familiar words that the wrath of god this is romans 1 18 the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness by the way whether it's in the church house or the government house or the business house or your personal house the wrath of god is revealed from heaven the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness i'm not going to believe that the bible may say it but i'm not going to believe it i refuse to believe what the bible says i'm suppressing it i'm suppressing the truth and what happens paul gives a long drawn out description in the rest of this chapter describing this fact when the wrath of this is why this is what ought to make you sad when people continue in their sin and continue in their sin, and refuse to repent, and refuse to come back to the Lord. Finally, God gives them over to what they want. The wrath of God is... Here, you want this? Here's what you have. So we read, Paul says, God gave them over to lusts in their heart, to impurity. God gave them over to degrading passions. God gave them over to a depraved mind. And from a depraved mind, I read the list. It's not a full list. It's a summary... What happens with a depraved mind? What do you see all around you? If you have eyes to see, you see, you see the wrath of God being revealed all around you, filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, full of envy, evil, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. You see God's people understand that those who refuse to come to God experience the wrath of God in their life until they're saved. Jeremiah said, "For the broke uh, uh, Jeremiah 8:21 For the brokenness of my people, I am broken. What breaks you? What breaks you? Are you broken because of selfish things in your life? We're all wrapped up in a ball on our things, aren't we? I am broken for the brokenness of my people. I mourn, dismay has taken hold of me. You see, God's people understand, my dear friends, that there is a coming eternal destruction for those who refuse to obey the gospel. Paul said, the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel and the glory of His power. If hell is real, why don't we weep for the lost? A very spiritual man used to pray in his garden. He would go out in his garden. And he was praying one day and he was just weeping, thinking about things and His friend came by and said, My friend, are you all right? Why are you weeping? He said, I weep because God's love goes unloved. That's it. That's it. I weep because God's love goes unloved. I preached uh, some time back when we were preaching through uh, being saved, 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 and I preached about the terrible truth. that those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will die and go to hell. And a man frequented this church a lot. He came a lot. Because you all sit in the same places, I've taken roll today, and I'm glad to see you're in your spots today. He sat in his particular spot. When I preached that message on the fact that those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will die and go to hell, he met me at the back door when we could do those things and said, Well, those were very strong words. I don't think I'll be back. Well, I'm sorry. You won't be back. But I'm not going to change what I've said from the Word of God. But friends, I know you said amen and I love you. If I believe that, where are my tears? Where are my tears? You see, God's people, thirdly, pray in holy grief because they love sinful people. Look, i got some questions for you. Do you love those annoying politicians that you can't stand anything they say? Do you love them? Are you a political person or are you a spiritual person? What What are you? You think the Lord knew anything about what was going on in the Roman government when He was on the earth? Do you love those people who decide to destroy and do terrible things and cause upheaval and say hateful things? Do you love people that hate you? You can't pray for people if you don't love them. Jeremiah wept. He was called the weeping prophet. You can you just take a you, you all know what a concordance is. Take your concordance, look up how many times it talks about tears and crying and weeping and eyes running down. I quote you this, Lamentations 3:48, my eyes run down with streams of water because of the daughter of my people. My eyes pour down, listen, unceasingly. You see you never get over the holy grief that God gives you for your own sinfulness and for the sinfulness of others. Without stopping until the Lord looks down and sees from heaven. As I quoted earlier, my eyes bring pain to my soul because of all the daughters of my city. The Lord Jesus, when He approached Jerusalem, Luke 19, 1, He saw the city and He wept over Jerusalem. There is no greater example of holy grief than that of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He wept over Jerusalem. And He said, If you, Jerusalem, had known in this day the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes, the Lord Jesus wept because of their their unwillingness to believe that He was the promised one. And He was there in flesh. The Lord Jesus wept for the city of Jerusalem and all of its wickedness. Not only did the Lord weep for His friends, He wept for His enemies. He was burdened and grieved by their hard-heartedness. I ask you, does it grieve you when you see the hard-heartedness and the sinfulness of those who will not come to God? Moses, Jeremiah, Daniel... The Lord Jesus and many others I could list all prayed in holy grief for the sins of others. My eyes shed streams of water. Do yours? Because they do not keep your law. I tell you this. Some of us are pretty proud of our spiritual condition, which is, by the way, a dangerous thing. But you can measure your spiritual condition by the, your, the lack or presence of holy grief for sinfulness in your life and others. The Lord Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted. When does the Lord comfort me? When I am gripped by how wicked and sinful I am and have been, and when I have fallen from doing the things I should do, and I mourn it. So these things we must remember today. Let me give you some things to remember as we wrap up these very important truths. First of all, holy grief is Christ-like grief. You see, we learned a few weeks ago that when the Holy Spirit is grieved, when you, when you and I sin against God as believers, we grieve the Holy Spirit. If you, have a good, if you have a good marriage, you don't want to grieve your husband or wife, your, your, your spouse. If, you have a, if, you're, if you're in your family, children don't want to grieve their parents. They love them. Why would you grieve God by sinning in His face? Doing the things you do. And when we understand and we're filled with the Spirit of God, we carry with us that same spirit grief. For those who refuse to follow God, we're not angry with them. We're not trying to get even with them. We're not trying to retaliate on them. We're not trying to bring vengeance. We're just grieved to the soul that they would live in such sinfulness and wickedness. The second thing I'd remind you of is he who has not grieved for his own sin can never grieve for others and their sins. I have enough of my own, but when I know what I have done and I look at others, I am broken by it and I am grieved. I ask you, when was the last time you cried for someone in their sinfulness? You see, while the world is sinning, God's people should be grieving and praying. I am, I got one hammer and one nail and I am saying it Week after week after week. You may never listen to me. You may get tired of it. I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it until I've been told I'm done with it. We must pray now. Our job in these days is to pray. Our job in these days is to pray. God has brought these occasions upon us all and every last person in this room or listening to me has been affected by these circumstances. You can't do anything about it. You can gripe about it. You can moan about it. You can bellyache about it. You can hate others because of it. Or you can pray with effectiveness like Elijah and with holy grief because of what people have done in violating God and dishonoring His name. You see, the self-righteous have no tears for the lost. They don't care. The self-righteous only care about themselves. That's all they care about. Wednesday night, I tried to speak about this online, if you were able to listen to it, about the greatest problem, the greatest blocker to revival is yourself. And what did the Lord say? If anyone wishes to follow me, I'm going to say it here today for you. If you wish to follow Jesus, the Lord said, here's the demand. Deny yourself. There's some Christians in these days who need to deny themselves and accept what God is sending and permitting for His glory. The self-righteous have no tears. Oh, they might cry if their little doggie dies or little cat. Maybe their hamster died. Oh, the tears that run when the little hamster died and the fish died. But no tears for the lost who face an eternity in unending hell and damnation. God's people grieve for the sinner, listen, who has no grief for his own sin. He doesn't care. Do you remember when you were in your sin? You didn't care. You could care less. You were going to do what you wanted to do. You were eating it up, man. You were living it up in your sin. Just as I've said to you before, in intercessory prayer, we pray for those who will not pray for themselves. Now in intercessory prayer, we pray with holy grief for those who have no grief for themselves and their sin or pray for themselves. This is what we must do, church. This is our job. The Lord is waiting for this church. I'm not, I'm not responsible to speak to anybody else, but you. I, my, my job is to you. And I'm saying it again and again. Get busy. It's time to pray. It's time to pray as righteous people. Getting rid of our sinfulness and getting it out of the way and praying for the Lord's will to be done and for His kingdom to come. So what do I have for you as we leave? How do you use all of these things I've talked about? Number one, ask God to break your heart. Someone said to me already this morning, Pastor Mike, I don't think I've ever cried for the lost. There's the first step. There's the first step. You're almost there. Oh, but I might be embarrassed if someone sees me cry. No, you actually might have a great influence on somebody else. Because, you know, we're Americans and you're a baby if you cry. No. You're holy if you cry for the sinfulness of others. That's what you are. You have a tender heart not a hard heart you see we must pray that god would pour out godly sorrow that leads to repentance on others when you see that i've said this before if you're going to watch all the news and all that mess so as soon as you get your your blood starts boiling just push the mute button and start praying that's what you can do you can use the tv news to be your you can use that as your prayer time pray You see whatever you see. You listen to those words that are being said. You may like them or not like them. You may mark those people as your enemy. Okay, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Pray. Pray for government leaders, whether you agree with them or not, because we've been told to do it. That's our job. Confess your hard-heartedness and your lack of holy grief. You know, it's 4th of July. You're all ready to get out of here. Here's a good thing for you. You're going to have your grill out unless it's raining today. And you, you, hopefully somebody tenderize the meat before you cook it. Maybe that's what you need today. For God to come in and tenderize you. Tenderize you. You see, when you get saved, the prophet said God replaces the stony heart with a heart of flesh which means he replaces a hard heart with a soft heart I ask you today are you soft hearted have you just gotten cold and hard hearted because of the world in which we live the only way it will come and change is by the lesson we learn here from our holy man of God you know what changes your heart the word of God and the Holy Spirit you don't spend time in the word of God your heart will stay hard We don't need more hard-hearted Christians around here. The churches of the world don't need hard-hearted Christians. We need holy, grieving Christians. Remember, everyone who does not trust the Lord Jesus will go to hell. Do you care? Do you care? Well, they're not in my family. Well, bless God, all mine are in. Okay, great. Congratulations. Is that all that matters? Just yours? The psalmist said it, the nations are sinking down. The nations are sinking down in the pit which they have dug. The nations are sinking down. America is sinking down. America is sinking down. Will anybody pray with holy grief? Psalm 920 ends in this way, Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. There are a lot of people today who believe they're going to solve all of these problems on their own. And they're certainly not praying. We went through the National Day of Prayer and it wasn't even mentioned during these days of dread, terror, pandemic, interruption, frustration, exhaustion, whatever you want to pick. So the Lord has permitted these things to come for the church and for the world. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know. This is my prayer. This is my prayer. Repeatedly, let the nations know that they are but men. Then, perhaps they will call out to God and be saved.